Welcome, everybody, to part two of Favorite Summer Jams. We didn't intend for it to be a two-parter, but we haven't chatted for a while, so we got to uh, to blabbing, and you know what? This is a, a good outro to your summer, even though, like I said before, there's still three weeks left. So without further ado, side B of Summer Jams 2019. Country, country music. Oh, I was going to talk about, and I'm surprised you didn't grab this one, but then I kind of realized that you didn't grab this song because I think it was on your beer drinking song uh, list when we did favorite beer drinking songs. Uh, beer Never Broke My Heart by Luke Combs. You know, I, I kind of got over that song. I'm so not over it, and I kind of hate you for it because it's it's been, as much as I love it, it is stuck in my head so often that it's driven me close to insanity. So I really like the song. Obviously, I really like Luke Combs, and I had put it on my beer drinking uh, song list before when it was newer. But after so many lessons and a summer of it, it's that intro. I can't deal with it anymore. That heavy, like, like, yeah. It's I don't know. I'm just I'm over it. I think you probably had heard it so much before I heard it. I. It's just so much rockier than it should be. Yeah, and I hadn't... Literally, I'd never heard this song before the beer drinking song episodes we did. So then I listened to it when it was on your list, and it grew on me. And then I just spent a lot of days, you know, down by the river drinking beer, cranking this song. And That's what um, it's for. I think my neighbors know it now, whether they wanted to know it or not. Um, I like it. I, I, I like the rock and roll edge to it. Like, the guitar solo's pretty rock and which i'm not mm-hmm. usually that into like blazing guitar solos but yeah it's uh you know it's a good song and i mean obviously there's a reason it achieved such commercial success being such an anthem type song mm-hmm. um i don't know i like the like i've had a largemouth bass bust my line a couple of beautiful girls tell me goodbye trucks break down dogs run off politicians lie being fired by the boss it's a cool album and i mean he's throwing out a bit of a list there too but uh, i don't think anyone's ever accused him of being I mean, it's not the most prolific written song. I'm sure, I don't know who does he write his own stuff, or is or this all written for him? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean. I, I think I think he is at least involved in all of it, if not entirely. But at this point in his career, I I don't because he's just newly being made. I, I don't think it's it's not a situation. I don't know a guy a guy like him who like is built like him. I don't think really walks into Nashville and they say, yeah, you're going to be our next star. <laughs> Let's line up all the best songwriters and yeah, we're going to, we're going to make you into a country singer. I feel like he came to the table with everything and it was amazing. And they're like, yes, this is going to work. Let's roll with it. Publishing deal, um, recording deal go. And it was number ones all around. So I, I feel like it's mostly, mostly if not entirely him. All right. Well, I think it's a good catchy song. No one's going to challenge that. What nope. do you got? Uh, next up, uh, quick little shout out to Mr. Easton Corbin. I have been a massive fan of him since he first came out in the two thousands. I remember when I first heard him, I thought it was George Strait. And at that time we thought George Strait was getting old and possibly retiring at some point. So my first thought was, is this guy on the same record label? Are these guys trying to pick like a new young guy to like, slowly take the same sound and and start to take over as one's retiring and they they had all the same session players or at least most of the same session players a lot of a very similar sound of at least that george was doing through the 2000s and what he was picking up Uh, and so just a huge fan of him the last record maybe two records i don't know i lost track of him after the last record that i i did not like uh, it, it was a little too, I don't know, beats. I don't know, maybe, maybe snap tracks. I can't remember. I, I, I kind of gave up on it. But it, it was it was much more mainstream sounding. A little bit f- for who he is. It sounded like pandering to trying to be sales of like a more poppy mainstream country, which he definitely was not in the first two records. 
And so I, I kind of lost track of him, but, uh, a new song popped up on Spotify in the, I don't know, last couple months in the summer called the only life I know. And I, I really liked it. It was something that is very evocative of that same kind of nostalgia as, uh, about, uh, I wish grandfather's grandpa's never died. I didn't write down any of the lyrics. I, I can't remember, but just talking about, uh, choice lyrics talking about how the sun comes up and then the sun goes down 14 miles from the nearest town. My roots are planted in this ground. It's the only life I know. Talking about looking out on these fields of green, hours get long and the days get mean. And when you're, when, when, when you've, I don't know, been raised on a farm where from, I don't know, shortly after we could walk, like I, I was a kid transplanting tobacco and pepper plants behind the machine like when I must have been like seven years old like in early grade school like after school and on the weekends and during the summers when everybody else was at camp like long days through the heat and hated it then but you look back with this nostalgia now and it's funny how that happens oh man and like I, I wanted nothing but to have nothing to do with the farm and I, I wanted to go to camp and do whatever else other friends were doing that lived in town that weren't on a farm. And now looking back, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. And yeah, songs and you probably like want to go back to that way totally, of life, hundred percent. And that's it, songs like this that are, I don't know, so I don't know, simple and straightforward, but so evocative and nostalgia-driven that. I don't know. Not going to say too much more about it, but really, really dig this song. So I think I know one of the reasons why you might dig this song or why you're finding it so nostalgic. I I dug a little bit on this song, and it's um, I was just curious when I was looking at the cover. It's uh, a movie that came out called Silo. Yeah, it's a soundtrack for something. I didn't yeah. see what movie, though. I, I checked the movie out. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just checked the trailer or whatever. It's, um, and this is a... I'm sorry. This is the worst tagline. It's like the first thing on their page. Uh, the movie page, uh, Silo is the first ever feature film about a grain entrapment. So <laughs> it's about... What's a grain entrapment? Uh, I think I, sh- I threw the A in there by mistake. About grain entrapment. It's uh, about someone that fell into a grain silo. Oh. So and it's, it's based on true events. And Wait, but, but what? And died? Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch the movie, but it seems like... And check the trailer. It's just no, called... Nothing happens when you fall into a grain silo. Well, I think... It was, that's a huge, I don't know how you're supposed to get them out of there. There's ladders. Yeah, but they sink into the grain. No, you don't. Then how'd they make a whole movie about it? I don't know. <laughs> like that, that's a major misconception. Like if <laughs> I'm telling you, watch the trailer. It was quite dramatic. So the only way you will sink into the grain is if you're doing it while the auger underneath is on to pull grain out, to put it in like to essentially dump it into a truck or a V-box, a wagon or something uh, for shipping. If if it's just full and flat, it's not like quicksand or something where you're just going to sink into it. I love that meme where it's like, uh, when I was a kid, I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the same with this. Like, but you, it sounds serious. Is that inspired by true events, Silo follows a herring day in the American farm town. Disaster strikes when teenager Cody Rose is entrapped in a 50-foot-tall grain bin. When the corn turns to quicksand, family, neighbors, and first responders must put aside their differences to rescue Cody from drowning in the crop that has sustained their communica- community for generations. Yeah, so that must have been, I don't know about this, but that must have been a situation where the auger was on, and essentially what happens is it's like a suction like out of the middle or wherever the the the, the drawing point of the grain is from the bottom because when, when you're when you're transferring grain from a bin via an auger into a wagon or a truck uh it's it's from the floor the <laughs> it's from from the bottom of the from the bottom of the bin or the silo not from the top so there there's this bit of um I don't know, almost like a really slow whirlpool that happens where like from the middle, things start to sink down because it's being drawn from the bottom out from the bottom out into an auger. And if you're at the top and stuck in that, I, you, you could get pulled into it foreseeably, but you shouldn't be in there in that situation. But if the auger is off, 
you're not going anywhere. You, you can't dig your way down because it's so dense between the soybeans or the wheat or corn or whatever. All right. So um, for all our farmer listeners, chime in, send us a message. Yeah. Agree or disagree. Um, welcome to... <laughs> we, we have three grain bins on my family farm. I've played in them my whole life. I know you cannot fall into it and sink in unless the auger is on. Welcome to the Farming Farming Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet y'all. I bet nobody listening to this episode thought they were gonna have to be forced to learn Listen something to about yeah, yeah. grain silos. Yeah. Anyways, it actually as boring as I've made it sound. It, um, or actually as boring as you've made it sound. <laughs> it, it looks like a good movie. Check it out, and it looks fairly independent. So, um, yes, we got all the way to grain farming from Easton uh, Corbin. Next. <laughs> next. What do you got next? Um, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just dispelling myths. Yes. That's all I'm doing here. You are. Myth and, busters. But I'm telling you, this just belongs on our farm myth podcast. Well, then we'll save it for next week <laughs> for our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just cut it from this one and put it in that one. So I'm this next song, song I'm, uh, I'm borderline embarrassed to even talk about, but this is another one that's Andrew's fault. I've legitimately have, had friends since I started this podcast with Andrew. I've had friends. I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. I have no idea. <laughs> I've had friends almost make fun of me. Uh, they've talked about me. Like one friend has mentioned to another that like I'm listening to like shitty music, and another friend defended it, saying, "Oh, it's like podcast research." And I'm I'm really feeling it, but not feeling it in a good way. Like it hurts a little bit that you You're know listening uh, to a good country now too. No, it's not good country. It's <laughs> it's not good country at all. Um, it, it you know it. My my musical taste, you know, to my I'm like that guy who introduces the bands to a lot of my friends, and everyone's like, I take oh, pride in that, that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah. So, anyways, um, this song you never heard of them before. <laughs> they just play at little bars called the Tractor in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Twelve dollars a ticket. You yeah, never heard of them. Exactly. <laughs> Probably never heard of them. Yeah. Um. So this this song this again spurred from the beer drinking episode. Uh, it's not a song that was on your list, but it's from the same artist. And then somehow it came on on my Spotify and I was like, God damn it. I kind of like this. And it's, uh, Jake Owens, uh, down to the honky tonk. And, uh, which for the record is the only song of his in the last 10 years that I like. Well, you, you liked catch a cold one that was on your list. Catch a cold one. Yeah. You had that on your beer drinking list. I don't even know what catch a cold one is. Dude, we need, you, we need to go back and listen. Was this not on your beer drinking list song? I don't think catch a cold one is... You can always catch a cold one. No. Dude, it's a whole song about beer. You put it on your list. I did not. Did you hit your head? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> did your did your brain malfunction after your computer malfunctioned? <laughs> We've been plagued, plagued with technical difficulties. We would be pumping on more episodes if things didn't keep breaking. My MacBook is currently with Apple doing a full redo of my logic board and we are recording on my wife's laptop right now because this has been an ongoing nightmare with my computer crashing in GarageBand for about two months. So we've managed to squeak out a few episodes, but there would have been more had this not happened. But really, no, back to that. I don't, I, I don't think that's, a, you, look, look it up. I don't, I don't think that's <laughs> something that I did. All right. I don't know how I got onto this, but how else would I have started listening to this guy? Probably from that song. Well, we cover that song in my band, so you've probably heard it played at a show. All right. Well, at any rate, um, <laughs> this Jake song. Owen had some good stuff in like album one and maybe album two, like starting with me, songs like that. That's a that's a good tune. But that stuff's been a couple. That, that was eight, nine, ten years ago. The, remember this? The guy I made fun of because he was like soaking wet on a beach, but he was like fully clothed, and I was like, why is he fully clothed on a beach? No, that yeah, I remember that. That is that was John Party. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, We're, wearing like his boots and hat and everything on a beach. No, we're gonna have to discuss this off air. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, this is totally like watered down bro country, and like I said, I'm a little bit embarrassed. It's um, laundry listing, you know, every country good. thing he could, but it's a catchy summer tune. Sometimes when you just want to pop it in the background and. You know, when I think I have, it's also further to the new trend of going back to something more real, more '90s country. The same thing I keep preaching about from Midland and John Party. You even Jake Owen. You see, like, yeah, here he comes with a song. Not only trying to be more honky tonk, but with honky tonk in the title. Like, 
trying to be that more pushing it hard what, what i like about like i don't find it it's not awful i think it's a good song i think it's catchy and i like stuff like this sometimes because you know if i have uh people over like my my place out on the river it's like i want something that's not as like super country it's more radio country friendly where when you have guests something that, that they're not borderline yodeling in yeah <laughs> so if you have guests who aren't necessarily country fans they can get on board with it too it's right. sometimes you just need that good background music but you know and i'm not sure like he's got lines where like he name drops whalen saying like, got a dog named whalen like which you identify <laughs> with as I do. per your earlier I, comments i do it was whalen or willie was going to be the name of my dog and turned out neither but um and then instead you named him after a batman villain well it's because the farmer i got him from named him batman's i can't keep my dog's (laughs) name's batman (laughs) you should have kept that no that's awful my dog's name is bane by the way i should we should have instagrams for our dogs i do do you really Mm -hmm. oh yeah i think i follow your dog merle the springer yeah Uh uh-huh i should do bane the hasn't been updated bane the blue healer yeah there you go there There's probably not that. another. I it's probably that. available. I can do that tonight. <laughs> Man, we are distracted today. Uh, anyways, I was wondering after I was embarrassed about this song, I was like, I wonder what people had to say about this. And then, man, there was some absolutely like roast, like roasted reviews on this song. Uh, main, <laughs> the, the best one I found was Saving Country Music. And I, I, I love Trigger. He's awesome. Um, he's, this is the best. I swear, Jake... Oh, I think I was calling him Jake Owens. I think his name is Jake Owen. Yeah, there's um, no S. I swear Jake Owen could figure out a way to fuck up making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich these days. After he'd be smirching the legacy of John Cougar Mellencamp's Heartland anthem Jack and Diane by turning it into a talk singing post bro underwear skid mark of a misguided remix. Agreed about that. Now Mr. Bronzer has decided he wants to Mr. attempt Mr. Bronzer. <laughs> he wants to attempt to absolve all his country music trespasses by trying to pass off his latest monstrosity as a traditional throwback honky tonk song. Yeah, sorry, but I don't remember Whalen starting his tunes off with what sounds like bad white boy beatboxing or running his vocal signals through uh, Antares auto-tune. Oh, so the caricature version of a redneck that uh, Jake Owen portrays in Down to the Honky Tonk names his dog Whalen, and there's outlaw-era phase guitar in the mix. Well, damn, move over, Cody Jinx. There's a new hardcore honky-tonker in town. (laughs) No, don't, don't, don't disagree. Oh, I, I've liked that song on the merits again, almost like a, it's almost a, a handicap situation in sports where that is not compared to Cody Jenks or um, Whitey Morgan or something that would be of the Whalen outlaw vibe style, everything that um, whatever his name is in that article is getting at. But it's if that is what's on the top 40 mm-hmm. compared to walker hayes and florida georgia line and whatever else like that's still a plus this is yeah, a plus somewhere for country music. somewhere in the middle yeah exactly and any like if you can if you can be battering these things home and if there is a silver lining to that stupid raised on country song from chris young that is a monstrosity of everything i've said so many times before if there is a plus side or silver lining to it it's that maybe it will inspire kids who don't know to go take a look at who, who is George Strait, who is Willie, who is Merle, who was this guy raised on, and then like learn something about real country music, and then later scratch their heads at, well, what does this have to do with this song? Yeah, like them, them name dropping for what they're looking for is credibility still might make some folks curious like you're saying and then boom all of a sudden yeah you've got and and the funny thing is chris young had so much credibility his early records they were dynamite they were like the the best thing of like alongside easton corbin and brad paisley of like new country on the radio and then in the last couple years he's just taken a hard left turn and it's all just been like mainstream pop country shit yeah you know what i have to say the last thing i'll say about this song is you know what? Aside from everything that I just said, all the negative reviews, all that stuff, it's like, fuck it. I still like this song. For some reason, I like it. For some reason, it imprinted something on me, and it has a place in my summer. That was a good time, and I'm always going to remember that this song was a part of this summer. So that's what summer jams are, right? You don't have to. You have no. You don't have to have a reason. You don't have to justify it. Yep, right on. I hear you. Uh, where am I at? 
Yeah, we are way over time. This is definitely going to be too... Now that you're listening to this part two episode, <laughs> turn over tape. <laughs> Side B. I'm excited we've never done a two-parter before. Mm-hmm. We've just ranted too much today. Well, we haven't chatted for a while, so I think sometimes that, that happens. Um, oh, John Wolf, Some Old Bar in the 90s. Oh, yeah. So I really like John Wolf. I first... Well, I, I'd heard of him before and heard some of his music uh, from his very first record before up here, but I really started to get into him when I went to Texas last year, and actually a couple of days after I got engaged, I uh, saw him at a show with my now wife at Cheatham Street Warehouse in San Marcos. Uh, and funny story, when we were hanging out with uh, Sunny Sweeney and her band, uh, her drummer, we were talk- talking about past bands and everything, he used to drum for John Wolf. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw John Wolf last year. He's like, w- when? It's like, <laughs> January at the Cheatham Street Warehouse. This was, was such like, a funny conversation yeah, to watch. Was like, yeah, he was like, oh, I was there. And then I was like, really? I've got like a video clip on my Instagram. He's like, yeah, yeah. The drummer wasn't fully in the picture. He's like, oh, yeah, that's my drum head. Totally. I have that at home. Yeah. We, you guys were like, dude, dude, no, dude, yeah. dude. <laughs> we're, we were in the same room for the same show. He was a really awesome dude. I mean, their whole band yeah. was awesome, but we hung out with him for a bit longer, and he was uh, he was a seriously awesome dude. We, yeah, we were hoping to do an interview with Sunny, and she was sounded like she was down with it, but the next day, it was, it was their the, one their day off. one day off. Everybody wanted to be separate and and do everything uh, on their own and just kind of chill out. Uh, except Adrian, uh, Adrian Myers, good dude, uh, yeah, drummer, really good dude. I think we we had a barbecue here at my place. He came over, and we ended up having a pretty big night, and yeah. Had some fun stories. So back to uh, his former band, um, John Wolf. Uh, the new record he just put out, oh, what's it called? I forget. Uh, but Some Old Bar in the 90s was the first lead-off single off it. Actually, the whole record, there, there might be two songs on there that are meh, but the whole rest of the record is pretty great. And he, he's someone who's been skirting more of the mainstream sound in like the, it, again, back, we're, we're going to do a Texas music episode sometime soon. We keep talking about it and we've got to do it. But the, the phenomenon of the ability of great artists in Texas to exist and like be wealthy and be very successful and do very well only within Texas or in and around like Oklahoma and wherever else, but more or less only within Texas, very regional, is crazy. There are richer bands in Texas than like medium level charting bands in Nashville because the scene is so supportive there and constantly touring. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, but John Wolf sound is very traditional. He's probably the second biggest George Strait fan of all time after me. Ah. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice plug. <laughs> what a plug for myself. Pretty much <laughs> self plug. Yeah. Um, but so he, he has a lot of traditional sound in his in his music, but he also has enough production and just a little bit of those extra beats and not like synthetic beats, but just like upped production value that makes it a bit more mainstream country radio sounding. Um, but still legit enough for anybody who is a purist to really get into and so this this new tune really loved um where's i I didn't write down all the lyrics but talking about my favorite lyric in this one um is a two-tone forward with a long bed on it which really speaks to me man because i loved those fucking trucks like those two-tone forwards and they're not just classic just yet but to me I wasn't even at that point, I wasn't even old enough to drive. And yeah. I look back at them now so fondly and I think it's a nostalgic thing. They're a dime a dozen. It's not like they're expensive because they're classic because they're not classics yet. Yeah. So I feel like I should just get my hands on like a two-tone Ford because I get one for so cheap. Yeah, yeah. A good one, like a, a 19, those early 90s. So I, I'm a major Ford fan. Uh, sorry, Chevy guys. 
and Chevy girls. I drive a Chev, but yeah, I'm a big fan of these ones. <laughs> yeah, like I have a 1970 Ford F100, so I am very into the classic trucks. But if I was to get another, another pickup for fun, it would probably be a late 80s, early 90s Ford, and with that two-tone oh. paint on it. Oh, I remember my grandpa had, it must have been, it would have been like an 87 probably, 87 red Ford F-150 with bench, like cloth bench seat and just, it, it wasn't two-tone, it was solid, but he could have had this. It, it was of the era where it could have been one of those two tones. Love that old truck. If we're going to talk grandpa trucks, uh, <laughs> my, I don't, I call them my no because we're Italian, but it's grandfather, grandpa, whatever. Uh, he, he, this old truck he had, it was, uh, it was an old Chev with like the, it was so old, like with the big flare fenders and all that stuff and just the single seat in the front. Um, but, uh, we, uh, we used to ride in the back, me and my, my cousin Brad and he'd like, he was so awesome. He'd just like take us to the dump and like let us just break shit or whatever. But this is another new story. But he was, and it's just a quick story. He was driving at one point and he passed a cop and the cop pulled him over. And of course he pulled over and the cop came up and said, Do you know how fast you're going? And my nono just lost his mind on him and just said, This truck can't even do the speed limit. And you're going to have to now get out and push me to get it going again because I'm never going to get back up this hill. And he just continued to just lecture this cop for about five minutes about how he shouldn't have pulled over. There's no way the truck didn't go. And the, the cop actually got out and pushed his truck for him to get it going again. <laughs> That's a grandfather thing, right? That's something That's, only a grandpa can do. It's true. <laughs> Yell at a cop. My, my, my grandpa's story with the truck would be kind of the opposite. Uh, this same truck I'm talking about. Uh, one of my early memories is going out with him to check the tobacco kilns and you had to go around every so ever, however many hours and um, uh, ch check the moisture levels and everything inside. And so we're driving around from kiln to kiln and I'm sitting in shotgun and he has, he had it in park, but I'm a kid. I, I watch how people drive, you know, you, you just want to drive even when you're like three or four. And so I thought I knew what I was doing. He huh. was out of the truck. Huh. I moved over into the driver's seat and I put it in drive and I didn't even press the pedal. It just started moving from like idling speed and I didn't, I couldn't press the brake and at kind of a slow rate of speed, but enough, he had to look back and he jumped out of the way <laughs> and I crashed into the kiln <laughs> very, like very lightly, not enough to do any kind of damage. And I freaked out and I ran. <laughs> <laughs> jumped out of the car <laughs> ran into the house and hid in because you knew you were gonna get your ass beat <laughs> exactly yeah definitely clear memory of that one oh <laughs> anyways back to the trucks and you the, were some old bars in the 90s yeah <laughs> it, like i i just love how it opens uh it was gravel lots boys throwing back that last beer girls touching up makeup in the side mirror bud budweiser shining like shining Budweiser's sign shining like Vegas and that's just so that 90s party like we, we had our neon signs up in the bars and it, it was very much that gravel parking lots bush parties field parties high school pickup trucks kind of time this really throws back to that so again more of a nostalgia thing I, I, I feel like to this 90s resurgence or 90s style resurgence it's not only the nostalgia factor that it's playing on, but that like really legit era of like maybe other than Bakersfield, the next most twangiest like Telecaster driven and pedal steel playing time. Like, and they're not messing around musically. Like some of these bands, like I, I won't, I sometimes argue with you on some of this stuff. Uh, where I'm not the biggest fan of some of it, but it's more lyrically, like all that kind because of, we talk about lyrics so much. But like John Party, uh, John Wolf, we're talking about. John Wolf. Uh, um, <clears throat> musically, it is unbelievable. It is just pure honky tonk, like professionalism. The way it's played, like everything is picture perfect, but not in an overproduced way. It's John just, Wolf. Yeah, and just the players they have on there. And the way it's mixed together where it goes, I, I love this, the seamless like steel to fiddle or fiddle to steel yeah. where they play off. That's hard to do. 
you know, I, I play in a band with steel and a fiddle. It's hard to mix those things to, or when they just play off of each other perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of this 90s resurgence that you talk about is musically, it is unbelievable, but somehow not overproduced. I think yeah. that's been a problem with our latest generation of music is not so much the more underground stuff we talk about, but a lot of newer stuff is so overproduced. Mm-hmm. And I don't find any of this stuff is, and it's just so well done, so well put together, so well produced, not overproduced, well produced. Yep. And I love that about it because it's so easy on the ear if you're a musician or if you're anybody really. Agreed. What do you got next? Um, I find this funny that I'm pulling this up, this up and not you. So I don't know if you want to do the steel guitar sounds slash lasers for straight talk. It's a <laughs> George Strait song. Yeah, man, I'm doing a George Strait song. We should just like record something that we play for it. Why don't we just record us saying pew 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 pew? Because <laughs> it doesn't actually sound like the Not steel at all. guitars it was supposed it to in the turned beginning. Into lasers. <laughs> so yeah, man, I'm gonna talk George Strait, uh, but also with a slash of Willie Nelson or a dash. You got to be or you. Or a pinch. You got to be you. Um, I this is off. Uh, this is Strait's newest or latest album, right? Honky Tonk uh, Time Machine. I, this song, it's exactly uh, what the album title, it's, it's called Sing One With Willie, and it feels like you are going back in time in a honky-tonk time machine. Uh, it's such a cool song, and it's it's insane, right? That Like, this is their first duet together after so many years. That was uh, the point of the song. Like, I never got to sing one with Willie. Yeah. Willie, Willie has done duets with every literally everybody like mm-hmm. from ray charles to casey musgraves to johnny cash to merle haggard to everybody but then there's george Strait, but not saying he's well i in previous podcasts i have said he's better than all of the rest but in terms of record sales or number ones he, he's bigger than anybody and he's the only person of like major reputation that he hasn't done some kind of duet with but i think and this goes back to the all the times we've talked about straight you talk about his humble nature his just you know pull your hat down and power through kind of thing the fact that they they haven't done one and it's almost lyrically i'll go through some of the lyrics mm-hmm. lyrically I'll go, i will go through some of the lyrics that made no sense um but it, it's about how understated george Strait is to the fact that he could and it's in the lyrics you know he could have just asked and at any point, they could have done one. Yeah. But he didn't because he's George Strait and he was just being him, just yeah. being George Strait. Just and doing I wanted, his thing. Willie, it's almost like Willie was sitting there being, he was probably being like, yeah, why didn't we ever do this? Yeah. Why didn't you ask me? Yeah. And you're just like, well, <laughs> I did now. Ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it, lyrically, it's, uh, I ain't never got uh, to sing one with Willie and I've held it inside for too long. I've heard him with Merle and Waylon and Cash, Jones and Toby. Uh, then Willie comes in, and I, I love this back back and forth. And there's a cool Willie guitar solo. Like, it's unmistakable that it's a Willie guitar solo, which I think is really cool as well. Oh, man. Like, if, if I could learn to play... if I don't think anybody note, can. No. Like, if I could learn to play the Telecaster like Brent Mason and the acoustic guitar like Willie Nelson, done. It's just... I don't even understand really like his style. It's just, it's only Willie. Like no one else has ever played like that. Um, maybe it's his guitar that's like almost burnt through. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has that very Spanish style yeah. of like, of, of picking and it's not even double stops. It's just like that. It's stuttering. Brum, like, brum, 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 brum. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't even, that was terrible, but <laughs> it was amazing. Andrew, the, the, there's, some, there's something very Mexican, Texas, honky-tonk western swing mexican-ish about his playing style that i i don't know i really well and i think it's that willie encompasses so many styles just in general as a person um and as a musician and so when he comes in after his solo i like that he, he flips it saying uh i think that it's great to finally sing one with straight and our fans will all love it i know and then i like how this is a throwback i find to a lot of old country songs that no one does anymore but after Willie sings that line, George chimes in with, uh, and I'm loving it too, Willie. But not in a singing way. Like I, I love just in the middle of a recorded song where someone like chimes in with something like that. It reminds me a lot. Of, it kind of reminds me of like Murder on Music Row. Oh, uh, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still do when they're talking about buying the old country uh, yeah. records. Uh, yeah, and then I finally got to sing one with Straight, and I think that it's been long enough. Look at me now. I'm singing with Willie. Thank you, man. You just made my career. 
you should have said something straight. I thought uh, we'd always sound great. And that's kind of that point I was making where it's just like for him to say at this point, like you just made my career. It says to about both of them. It says something about Willie, obviously, that he's make George straight, you know, really? You just made his career? And, and you know, that Willie is just such a icon that he's, well, George Strait was already humbled, but it's, you know, it's just really cool. The whole song, you listen to the lyrics, go listen to this song, uh, sing one with Willie, and you just get all the feels. Just, you can tell they're buddies. I would love to have been in the studio for this just to hear the stories they probably I traded. I wonder if they are buddies. Like, I feel like they know each other, but if they were good buddies... I feel like this would have come up years ago. Yeah, so now I wonder where they're at. Maybe they just never cross. Like you hear that happen where musicians just never cross paths. I'm I'm very sure they've crossed paths, but like whether or not they hang out and maybe he's too straight laced for Willie. Yeah, I I I, I doubt he smokes weed. I'm guessing he never. Snoop Dogg slightly more his crowd. <laughs> Snoop Dogg was just in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, straight. <laughs> I never got to do one with you. <laughs> That's the next single. Yeah. <laughs> it's D O double G. Oh, please no. <laughs> or please yes. I don't know. I don't know no, what no. I want at this point in my life, but I don't think it's a George Strait Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it would be more like George Strait would do one with like Will Smith. No. <laughs> no who's no. this who's a straight laced rapper? That's the only one I could think of. Drake. Yeah, I was about to say Drake is the most straight-laced rapper, but that wouldn't sound good with George Strait. Doesn't he mention George Strait in something? No. He does. He does. He has like 42,000 songs on his last album, so maybe. Yeah, no. um, Amelia? (laughs) Are you really calling? Andrew's uh, calling a friend. (laughs) Calling a friend. Hey, what song does uh, Drake mention George Strait on? She doesn't know. Uh, oh Jesus! Yeah, it's it's either a reference to like maybe no maybe he mentions all my exes live in Texas or something like that. Can we get an assistant? We should get an assistant, someone who can a producer. Well, yeah, sure. What's it called? An assistant or a producer or an assistant producer? Someone who can like Google shit while we're you know. Mm-hmm. This could be looked up by now. Yeah. Anyways, let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> what do you got? Um. We'll stay on this. I'm, I'm skipping ahead in my list just to stay on the straight train uh, for straight talk as it is. Every little honky tonk bar from the same record, Honky Tonk Time Machine. This was the lead out single from his latest record, Every Little Honky Tonk Bar. Sorry, uh, it was the lead out single from Honky Tonk Time Machine. Every Little Honky Tonk Bar was the song. And I don't have all that much to say about it. Obviously, Everybody already knows how uh, big a fan I am of George. This is just more classic George. It's almost like ACDC. Like, as a rock band, like, go on. They did not stop being awesome and themselves all the way through. Like, if you loved ACDC in the, I guess there's an argument to be made when they switched from Bon Scott to Brian Johnson. So aside from that argument, let's say, let, let's even just start at Back in Black with Brian Johnson. If you liked that, you've liked everything since. And there were slight evolutions, but more or less the same thing, like classic, solid, same deal. It's the same thing with George. Decade through decade, same thing, number one after number one, like the best of country music. And here is, what what is he, 67 now? And this is like his... 32nd or 33rd record and it also went number one none of his songs went number one but uh the album went number one and yeah just like bartender pouring drinks code to go double shots you think you're tall and bulletproof until someone says you're not you step outside thinking you're going to show them you are that's what happens in every little honky-tonk bar like just another barn burner tune I, i feel like uh that's a little nod to travis tritt the um, uh, we think you think you're tall and bulletproof because remember that Travis Tritt, Tritt song, uh, six feet tall, ten, ten, or 10 feet, feet tall, tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, feel yeah. like that's a Travis Tritt nod, and I also feel like the lyrical pacing of the song is almost a nod to "Good Time" by Alan Jackson because it's With like the that, I'll be L I V N living. Yeah, uh, 
Monday morning is a given. I'll be D R A G N Dragon. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, it's. An, I haven't thought of either of those two points, but could very well be. I don't know who wrote this with him. It's a really good song. I would imagine it was probably Dean Dillon with him because so many of these are. What? I got it here. What song? Hell fucking, hell yeah, fucking right. <laughs> I got it here in front of me. All right. Sweet. Thank you. Well, there we go. We found it out. What was it called again? It's called uh, F Y. Sorry, this is sorry. This is the uh, Drake song where he mentions yeah, George yeah. Strait because we need to come back. It's called uh, Hell Yeah Fucking Right. Right. Uh, and yeah, first line of the song: All my exes live in Texas, like I'm George Strait. Or they go to Georgia State, where tuition is handled by. I'm not saying the rest of this line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up the straight talk portion of that on that. What do you got next? Uh, what do I have next? I was going to get into um, a song about someone I've been really into lately. Uh, Emily Nenny. I know I've mentioned her. To you, you've heard of her. You're sort of on the fence, I think. I'm not on the fence. I like it. It's... N- Nothing to me was so catchy that I was really, really into it. I listened through the record and liked it all. It was great, but somehow it just didn't really find its way on like a repeat. Like it, it's a show I would love to go to, and it was a record that I liked listening to oh, and would to put in the live. background, but it's, it was nothing that was like in a playlist or constantly re-listening. That first album of hers, uh, Hell of a Woman, which I think was 2017, maybe that that made it onto like a constant rotation for me. But then they dropped like a, a two song EP um, in 2019. It wasn't that long ago, uh, and there's a song off of it called "I Owe You Nothing," and such a like just such an outlaw song. Like the whole intro to the song reminds me of uh, like classic Whalen, but it, it also reminds me of that slow intro to that Whitey Morgan song, uh, "Bad News." You know how it just starts to slowly, mm-hmm. slowly chug along. And, you know, then the telly comes in, the baron da da baron da da baron like, and it's such a good song. There's such a good pace to it. Uh, the the first, like, the opening lines of this song, and you, I had to give this this lyric, or these lyrics, a few listens through because there's a few double meanings. And so, uh, I threw a shovel at my lover, the, <laughs> sorry, I threw a shovel at my lover the day I to- told him we were through. And though I missed him, there's no telling that with time that I've learned to follow through. It's like you give that a couple more listens, and it's like, remind me what what is the chorus on it again? Uh, I told you once, I told you nice, I told you no, you paid the price. Uh, ask me for something, we'll get in line. I don't owe you nothing. You can get with the times. Yeah, that, when I was listening to that the other day, uh, re-listening to that, is there what year did this come? This came out this year. Yeah, yeah. It was just a quick like. Is this some a, a, a slight me too nuances on that? That's that's the vibe I was getting on it. I have no idea. It could not be, but with like... I think it's just a straight breakup song. Okay. I mean, from someone who, you know, took a little bit too much from a relationship and didn't really give anything, didn't really contribute. We all know those people who just yep. just take and take and take. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how, I mean, when you start a song about talking about throwing a shovel at someone yeah. and missing and then learning that next time you should follow through better, that tells me, you know, maybe he deserved it. Maybe, you know, uh, if I've ever thrown a shovel at someone, I'd probably more just swing it at them. I think you'd have better luck doing that. But that's probably what she means by following through instead of just mm. throwing it. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's uh, it's a cool song. Um, a little bit about her is uh, I found some cool stuff here that uh, you'll probably find interesting. When she, The month she turned 21... Uh, she was already in Nashville. She was on Lower Broadway uh, at Roberts Western World. That's where she cut her teeth, just playing sort of... Roberts is a place we're very well familiar with because we, we spent quite a bit of time in there. That is last time where we in Nashville. Andrew was drunkest in <laughs> 2019. <laughs> <laughs> like when it goes back into your, like, uh, m- your memories on an inst- Instagram or whatever. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Um, so she bribed the doorman with cookies so that she could stand by the door directly next to the band. Uh, those same cookies also bribed the band to let her get on stage and sing. Um, from the moment she opened her mouth, the traditional country crew at Robert Rest- Robert's Western World knew they had found another one of their own. So I think that's also a pretty cool story. Yeah. I was just, and that, that's the thing, right? Is you need to just find a way to set yourself apart and, you know, make yourself noticed and whatever you can do. And I, I love that attitude. And, you know, you sometimes feel that women ha- have to do way more than men do in this music scene because something like that, making cookies for, you know, the doorman to get you in. You don't do that? <laughs> Maybe I should. Is but this I think a gendered thing? It's that extra mile. It's the that whole thing where women are just so smarter than us that they can do something like that. Yeah. You know, sweep their way in, and then as soon as they're in, just start kicking ass thoroughly. And that's mm. what she did, is she never looked back after that. And uh, I'm very excited for her next album to come out because I love that that previous album, Alva Woman. So what do we... I think we're getting into our, our agreement ones. Well, it's not that we were disagreeing on all these songs, but these are the ones that we both landed on that were both shared I summer jams. I had one more before that. Oh, okay. We'll do it real quick. Yeah. Take as long as you like. This... Well, we don't have that much more time. We'll make it a three-parter. <laughs> no, not a three-parter. We've got like 10 minutes, so we're going to have to uh, barrel down quickly. Okay. But Vince Gill... The, so this song isn't exactly written now, but it came out... Uh, actually on the exact same day as the Midland record. So I'm counting it as a song of the summer, but I actually first heard it shortly after Merle Haggard died um, because Vince Gill and his BFF, who is my, I don't know, god of music, uh, Paul Franklin, uh, the pedal steel player, uh, they're very close friends they play together all the time not only at the opry but in a band called the time jumpers that plays in nashville at third and lindsley every monday night i can't wait to eventually go and see them but anyways uh, he was on the opry shortly after merle died and to get he had written a song called a world without haggard and i don't remember if there was a whole band with it when i saw it on the opry or if it was just him and, um, sorry, Vince on acoustic singing, and then um, Paul Franklin playing Steel behind it. And it's such a beautiful, gripping song, such a like really touching ode to his hero who had died, and that it was put on a record and uh, put out this summer. And that whole album was, it's called Oki, right? So was that whole album more or less dedicated to Merle, I would assume? No. I didn't give it much of a listen. I listened I, to this song. I gave it a whole listen. This song is a heartbreaker, tearjerker. This all song was the by far the best song on the record. I've never in, heard in a more opinion. beautiful song written about like anybody that you idolize. Like. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful tribute. And on top of that, from just my own perspective... Paul Franklin has outdone himself with like the steel solo on this is so good. It's so good. And this is why I said earlier when you mentioned the steel solo on what, what was it? The lost dog street band. Yeah. Hey, you got it right. Yeah. I was about to say lone dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've, I've got to re-listen to it, but he's up against tough competition because this is like best of the best. And this is one of the best examples of the best of the best that I don't know, just give this song a listen, just kind of end of the day, pour yourself a glass of whiskey, sit down on a couch, put this on and turn down the lights and just feel it. This is, this is a fucking country song. This is country, country twang, the heartstrings being pulled. This is this is the real deal. Hell, I thought he'd live forever. He shaped every note I played. He was my greatest inspiration. The reason why I sang the blues. He taught me how to play guitar and write a country song. Like my God, man. Yeah. Oh man, it's a song and a half. I was almost in tears on the first listen through. Yep. All right. So you want to get to these uh, these two songs that we both decided on together? And we'll like rapid fire them. Yeah. Well, let's let's do. So, because there was another song that also had a crazy steel solo, and I don't want this to, and we'll we'll just use that as the segue between. I don't want this to define this song because it is in by no means for me the definition of the song. It just also happens to have a bananas good steel solo in it. It's the Dead Don't Die by Sturgill Simpson, 
And so Sturgill came back from disappearance for, I don't know, how long has he been off the radar? At least a year. Yeah, I think even longer than that yeah. since um, since the last album, the Grammy-winning album. Side note, I really enjoy the uh, Instagram site, uh, Where the Fuck is Sturgill Simpson? <laughs> 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 Just like random pictures of him ev- anywhere through history and wondering what he's up to where he is why we don't have any new music (laughs) well because he deleted all his social media right yeah well he hasn't entirely deleted it uh he still has an instagram account but there's nothing on it i think he so he just shut it down yeah it's 2016 was uh sailor's guide to earth yeah and i I have some bad news for you that i'll tell you after you're you're done what you're about to say tell me now his (laughs) There's another single out there. I didn't even want to send it to you. Oh, it's so bad. That whole album's gonna be rock and roll. Oh, I hated that. Like first it's gonna single. be pure rock and roll. Yeah, not not into it. So when when we all thought, well, when we all when you and I thought that he was back with this song, which was a one-off for this this Jim Jarmusch Jarmusch uh, zombie movie, also called The Dead Don't Die. Andrew and I were like, this is gonna be so amazing. He's, He's back. back! Like, fuck yeah. Like, like, this no. was other than, uh, what, uh, like Life Ain't for Fair and the World no, is no. Mean, that first album. It's getting late. I'm a couple beers deep. What am I forgetting the song? Uh, you Can Have the Crown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck. We even covered it in my band. How did I forget that? Um, that was my favorite song of his up to this point. This is my favorite Sturgill Simpson song ever. Yeah. So it's a one off. This new album's going to be rock and roll. Ugh. <sighs> Which I suspected because the last time I saw him live, it was raging. Like even the country songs he raged on. I when I saw him at Blues Fest here, I wasn't sure if he had changed his style or if he knew he was playing at a blues fest and he just jam tracked six songs for an hour and a half. Uh, even when he when he played Saturday Night Live that one time, like they mm. rocked out so hard, like when he yeah. busted his guitar. That's a cool clip. Go watch that. So even worst case scenario, even if he does diverge and do some of these psychedelic rock things that he's doing for, I don't know what this new record is, it looked like. We still have this song. Yeah, well, at least this shows like what he can do and what he has done before. Like, I, I don't know. I, ho- I hope he gets this psychedelic rock thing out of his system and comes back to a full record of like the dead don't, if he could make... 12 more songs huh. like in this vein. And the problem is, you know he could. I know but he it's could. But he does whatever the fuck he wants to, oh, and I respect that so much about him. He should want to do this him. because that is the... Oh, like, <laughs> I could not care less about a rock record he wants to make, but if he could do The Dead Don't Die times 10 more, oh, man. Record of the year. Record of the year. we got to watch this movie, too, though, man. It looks it's gonna, amazing. It has Bill Murray in it. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda yeah. uh, Swinton, Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover. It goes on and on and on I, and on. I can't and on. wait. Iggy Pop's wait. in this movie. Yep. Selena Go- Rizza's in this. Selena Gomez. Uh, sounds ridiculous. Tom Waits. We need to watch this movie. All yeah. right. You want to get to uh, what do we got? There's well, one more. I, I just want, wanted to say another thing about this song that uh, aside from just like the lyrical content of it, if, if if there was no lyrics in it, and the lyrics are amazing, if there wasn't, just the pure instrumentation is so, like, my definition of pure country. When it kicks into that little shuffle at the end, even. The swing. Yeah. When he swings that bridge. Yeah. And then comes back into and it. And that piano and like, just starts bumping. Yeah. And, like, loops back around on the four chord. It's just, oh, man. And even just at the very beginning, the way the fiddle's coming through, and yeah, then man. when that steel solo comes on, like country, country. It's perfect. It's it absolutely is, perfect. It is perfect. And lyrically, I started listening because I'm like, did he really just write this about a zombie movie? But it's not. I mean, it's pretty deep. Like that one line, now that the afterlife is over, the afterlife goes on. It's I like, hope that he wrote it for the movie. And this was a stupid situation for a Bill Murray movie that he needed to write a country song. Like Bill Murray just came in and like almost as if he was sitting there like, (laughs) like smoking and they're like, Sturgill, we brought you here today to ask you if you could do a country song for our zombie movie. He's like, he's like, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As he's putting it out. Yeah. We can see about that. No, but I feel like he, he put the cigarette out and just was like, we'll see about that. And he just picked up his picked guitar, up guitar, wrote and it. Just like, yeah. <laughs> and just te- te- took a briefcase of money. Te- 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 
<laughs> not not a briefcase. Sack like with the dollar signs. Sign. With the dollar signs. Exactly. <laughs> just texted a couple buddies. Someone walks in with a fiddle and a steel guitar and just done in one take. And that's that's how that song one, happened. One and done. Yeah. Oh boy. And then a slow moving scene walking out of the room with Bill Murray <laughs> like that. Did, did you see that thing in the hallway with the kids that yeah. he did? We're gonna have to post that. Oh. All right, so I think we'll do this last one, uh, and then I have a, a pressing question for you. But I think this has actually been my number one Me jam too. for the whole summer. We're finishing with the number one jam huh, of the whole summer. I even mean that. Yep. For sure, this is my number one Me jam. Me too, by far. All this right. has been the most... Big cheers uh, to that. Cheers. Uh, this has been... Oh, my does. <laughs> this has been the most windows down, oh, yeah. radio cranked song of the summer most beers drank to this most windows down to this this is this is the tune drum rolling should we even introduce it <laughs> if only we could play music <laughs> yeah i just i just wanted to play it there that the the way the fiddle kicks in with that do 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 and then the bass drum it just it's such a, this is the perfect way to get like mainstream audience excited about like young kids, mainstream audience excited about a traditional country sound. So we are talking for the record about uh, John Party's heartache medication. Oh <laughs> man, the, like this song had me, I couldn't care less what it would have said in the song, but like the first two bars had me immediately, like 100% all in. It's a heartbreak and a drinking song rolled into one. Have you seen the video too? Yeah. Everything's perfect about this. Uh -huh. And he brings his girlfriend in on it. And he's just like the dude at the bar in the neon lights drinking at first. But then like there's this great choreographed two-step towards the end of it, it with him and his girlfriend. It's that's it, really invoking like John Travolta, urban cowboy kind of vibes. Not that the music in that movie was great, but like, <laughs> like the same kind of lighting and aesthetic of like Gillies neon lights 80s like pure country like quote-unquote pure uh sorry pardon me quote-unquote prime country quote-unquote country country quote-unquote country country <laughs> um I, I i love this song so much there's so many choice lines drinking enough to take you off my mind uh, here's to a good time and halfway to feeling all right um it was funny when i first started listening to the song i i uh, singles drinking doubles teardrops turning into bubbles a little later maybe on, later i'm gonna find me some, some trouble, trouble. <laughs> so good i remember saying the first couple times i listened to this song it's uh here i go again i'm drinking one i'm drinking two and i was like and then the next line i got my heartache medication and i kept saying to you i was like why doesn't he say here i go again i'm drinking one i'm drinking ten i got my heartache medication yeah. but then i realized it it resolves the rhyme resolves itself uh later and it makes sense saying drink, drink one, drink two. I think that's probably just me that I like to drink, you know, one or ten. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even listening to it, and it's just it's already in my head. It yeah, just, we're gonna have I'm, to listen to this. Yeah, this is gonna be what we're <laughs> listening to right after this. Yeah, I, I feel like this has been more of the anthem of the summer than yes. versus a summer jam. Agreed. Yeah, the rest were all summer jams, and this was the anthem. Well, speaking of uh, full summer anthems, I wanted one pressing question, and I knew I was going to put you on the spot with this one, but uh, what is your favorite all-time summer anthem? Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> you, you jumped that on me today, and I haven't had time to think about it, and I don't know. You tell me first, and then I'm going to see if that inspires me. And I, I intentionally didn't tell you because I knew it was going to throw you as well. My, my favorite was, uh, it's, or is, it's called Country State of Mind by Hank Williams Jr., which is very odd because I'm not even that big of a Hank Jr. fan. But uh, it was one of those songs that's just nostalgic because uh, my brother and I, whenever we'd go to our family uh, camp, what we called it in Northern Ontario, but it's cottage, whatever, lake house, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, whenever, if he'd get there first, he'd text me or call me and he'd be cranking this song. It'd be the first song we'd crank when we get there. And then when I'd pull in, we'd crank it when I pulled in. Whenever either of us would pull up, it'd just be this song would always be blaring and it's just like the... Just laid up here in a country state of mind, catching these fish like they're going out of style, drinking my homemade wine. Again, it, out of context, it's not my favorite song, but just, and this is sort of the true vein of what um, country, or sorry, summer songs are, summer country songs, is that it's got to have that nostalgic feeling. And this one is just pure, pure nostalgia for me. Just all those good times, hanging with my brother, you know, by the water, drinking beers. And uh, that's why I like this song. That's a great story, and I, I feel like I have a similar story, but 
I have to think about it more. It's, you know, top of my head. I don't I know. I feel like it's got to be an Alan Jackson song for you. It's, it's got to be an Alan Jackson song. It would be Alan Jackson or Brooks and Dunn, I think. You know, because I, I always loved George Strait, but I, I think I really grew into George Strait at, like, at the time in the 90s um, when I wasn't in my rebellious stage where I was hating country. Um, when I was loving it, it was very much Alan Jackson and Brooks and Dunn that were the highlights of that. And I feel like it would have to be somewhere like, like Chattahoochee, Tall Tall Trees, Chasing That Neon Rainbow. Chattahoochee. For sure. And that's what I was going to say, but a little cliche for you. Maybe, but but <laughs> there's no shame in that, but, man. but it was no it wasn't no shame cliche. in that game. It wasn't cliche at the time. Like <laughs> it's it's become a cliche now because it's almost like the the poster boy anthem for like the nineties revival of of music. And I, I love the song and it's it when it came out and when that was on it, that, that wasn't the case. It wasn't cliche. It was just like a huge banger that everybody loved and definitely me as well. Well, I'm sorry, man, for putting you on the spot. I think, maybe, no, I feel like I should have a better answer for you. Well, why don't I didn't you think of it enough? Yeah. I didn't give you much notice. I think that uh, my, my short answer would probably have to be Chattahoochee, but I also feel like maybe Tim McGraw would have had something in there as well too. <laughs> You want you want to come back to us on, on a later episode? We can re- revisit this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you uh, at the beginning of the next episode. All right. Well, we'll keep everyone in total suspense on this. Um, I kind of want to slam a beer and listen to Heartache Medication at excessively loud volume. We can do that. All right. Let's do it. Let's wake the neighbors. <laughs> Country, country music.